friends, it's Morgan Snyder in the studio today with Alan Arnold, and welcome back to part two of Who We're Becoming, this Wild at Heart podcast series. Alan, before we go anywhere else, I would love for you to take us into a prayer of release and centering. I'd love to. So, Father, we come to you now. We just set aside all distractions, all demands, everything that feels urgent, everything that's pulling us in a million different ways. God, right now, we come to you and we just breathe. We release everyone and everything to you, Father. We release everyone We release everything right now to you. God, fill us afresh with your strength, with your love, with your presence. God, just help us breathe. Help us be fully present to this moment right now. We give it all to you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it was almost a decade ago that the late, great Craig McCoddle grabbed you and grabbed me. Remember this? And he said, hey, I have an idea for a podcast series. I want to talk about what happens in a person over a decade. Right? We recorded this series. And as you listeners know, if you're tracking with us, Last episode, we featured my story and just reflections on a decade and what that marker's like and what we do to engage God in the slow and steady apprenticeship and and what becomes available to the soul that only happens over time. And so by way of introduction for this part two, Alan, because this is about your story, I want to visit yesterday's staff prayer time. So Bart was leading us. We just went around the circle and said, so where's God leading you for July? You know, what's what's on, on the docket? And what I noticed was of everybody, you had the most um, intentionality with doing nothing. In other words, you had the most space blocked off to say, what I want to do is simply what God wants me to do in the way of Sabbath, rest. And you, there was a settledness, there was an ease. It was the opposite of productivity over presence. And the beauty is I had just listened to this episode earlier the week before and was reflecting on your transformation. And so to have that snapshot in a moment and see where your heart is now compared to almost a decade ago, um, it, it really struck me. So with that in mind, um, what's on your heart for our listeners as we go into your story? Well, as I listened, it's a really um, disruptive thing, I think, to hear yourself eight years ago, Yeah, right? Because partially you think, wow, I, I forgot some of the struggles 
And also, I'm so in awe of the way God has fathered me in those years because I am a different man today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as I listen back to that story, and then I think what you're naming from the prayer meeting of the team yesterday, like where I have grown the most, Morgan, and I see in myself is this, the beauty of fathering over the long haul. Like, what does it mean to be a son of God over an extended period of time? And I didn't really understand what that concept meant until you introduced it to me when I was at a boot camp long before I started at Wild at Heart. And your closing session was on sonship at the boot camp. And I, I just remember it was one of those moments where I saw in you something that I didn't know was possible, mm. which was this ability to live life as a son. And how does God come through as a father in literal, actual ways? Now, I just feel so much more peace in starting there each day. It's more natural. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when I was looking at this summer, you know, as we were going around the circle, uh, there was a lot of conversation about people doing things vacations and projects and family outings. And I could feel a little bit of that. Wow. When it comes to me, my answer is I'm keeping the calendar completely wide open, not to do nothing, but to see what God invites me into as a son. And that would have been super disruptive like years ago when we did this recording. Now, there's just this joy and expectancy because I know God will orchestrate the rhythm in a way that's exactly what my heart needs. So friends, with that in mind, we want to welcome you to this part two, an intimate conversation here with Alan and Craig and myself. So let's rewind the clock. Let's time travel and let's visit you of nearly a decade ago. This is Craig McConnell, and oh my gosh, look at the studio. I've got Morgan Snyder and then our own Alan Arnold, who looks a little funky with his headphones on. Morgan thought he looked like a gazelle. Hey, pronghorn. Pronghorn. Okay. (laughs) Better than what you thought, yeah. What are gazelles? You're a big game hunter. Come on. Okay. You know I only shoot jackalopes. (laughs) I wish we could insert a picture into a podcast right now. See the jackalope in your office, by the way. I'm proud of it. You're welcome to swing by the outpost and look at my (laughs) jackalope anytime. (laughs) (laughs) So, Alan, when we look to you and just as you're looking back over your own life, just your growth and what Jesus has done and, you know, he longs to transform us and to take us from from children to man and how we view, relate, and how we live. Actually, as you look over your life over these last seasons, how you're different now than you were a few seasons ago. Oh, man. A very different man than I was a few seasons ago. And other than the headphones. Other than the headphones. And I had <laughs> much more hair many seasons ago, too. But internally, especially such a different person. Um, If you were to look back in maybe eight years ago, very driven, Mm -hmm. um, measured the day, the success of the day, the value of the day by how much I got done 
and a good day was when you were able to check off the 25 things on your list. A bad day was when something derailed it. And the derailment could be something like somebody came into your office and wanted to have a conversation about their heart. Well, that's not on the checklist. Mm. I don't have time for that. Mm. And so very different in just the drivenness and the productivity. And and that was really what was rewarded by in the area that I worked in at that time. That was really the measure of success was revenue, um, productivity, um, growth in the division. And so you find what gives you success And so oftentimes as a man, you run after that. And I wish just the blinders were just falling off 10 years ago. And so I was following God. I was in this message, but from a distance and I was missing the bigger picture. So that was me then. That said, I've been able to look back a little bit lately because I'm, I'm going to turn 50 In a few weeks. And so this has been a chance for me in these last 25 days or so before that happens, a chance to really go, well, how was the last decade? Like even before you asked the question, Craig, it was, what have the 40s been for me? And it's been my favorite decade because it's been the decade of the most growth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Turning 50. And what has that stirred up? Well, age has never been a, a, you know, for some people, they really focus on it. For me, it's just a chance to reflect back on the last decade. I feel younger than I felt in the last probably 20 years mm-hmm. in terms of just who I am. So, you know, it's a number on a calendar as far as days. But as far as looking back at the last decade, Craig, when I started here, one of the phrases you told me that I've just gone back to literally weekly if not daily, has been that this was an invitation when I started Ransomed Heart three years ago from productivity into presence. And that was one of the most disruptive things anybody had ever told me because I knew how to be really productive and I had no idea how to be fully present. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to be valued for presence and what that would even look like. And so That was three years ago, and that really started me on the next phase of my journey, which was now I'm a part of a team of men who can see through the bullshit and where there's not a daily sales report that measures your productivity. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to come to the table naked, no file folder, no Mm -hmm. report, then how do I bring my presence in a way that matters. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a big part of my journey since I've been here. Alan, Craig and I have had the amazing honor of being witnesses to that transformation over this last season. Because you're right, to think of the, the culture, the Christian professional culture you came to, and then watch you dive into a culture that we still have to produce things, but the higher value is agreeing with the kingdom of God and operating in how God wants to move and work in our lives and then through us. I can think of so many times where I've watched you kind of start to move into that mode of metrics and measurement and production and then kind of rub against our culture as you were learning it going, oh, those aren't the values here. Take us into your heart because I've seen the fruit 
of you being totally transformed in those ways. Take us in to understand what that internal process was like and what some of the kind of the milestones were for you to become who you are today. Yeah. Well, it started, I mean, I just recently realized the beginning point because I didn't grow up as a driven child and was not that way in high school, college, wasn't all about the grades or the productivity. But in my first job, I was at an ad agency and working one Saturday and my boss's boss's boss happened to be in. So the head of the whole division and I had just been out of college a few months and I was in my cubicle and working on a Saturday, and there weren't many people there. And as he left the building, I didn't even think he knew my name, but he dropped an, a sealed envelope on my desk and said, hey, I heard your dad was in town this weekend. Give this to him. And I thought, oh, man, what? Like, I don't even really know this man. Mm. And he could blink and I could be fired. And so my dad came in town to visit. I gave him the envelope. He opened it, and basically, I still I have it to this day, but basically it said, I'm so proud of your son because he's the kind of man who will come in and work on a weekend, mm. and he values productivity and doing whatever it takes to move the company forward. Wow. You've got quite a son. And that feels like was the moment, and the man who gave that to me thought he was complimenting me, and that was his world and the best of intentions, but that set something in my heart of, Oh, that's how you mm -hmm. gain approval. That's how you gain recognition as a man is you work hard on the weekends and weeknights and whatever it takes, and you be the guy that gets it done. So that was the beginning, and that really worked for me, unfortunately. And for the next 15 to 20 years, that, was, that set the template for how I would get approval and gain in my career. And so... When I started with you guys, um, the most disruptive thing was, how do I now live when I know productivity isn't the answer? Mm -hmm. When I know it's present, but I don't even, I don't even have the inner language or tools to really walk in that comfortably. So it was disruptive in the in the best sense, mm -hmm. but that was that was the beginning of a season of humility. Mm -hmm. um, of not trying to be the lead person on a team, feeling better when performance went better. Mm -hmm. And even how I organize my day, Morgan, like, and Craig, like it, before it would have been, how much have I gotten done that day? Mm -hmm. And now it's truly the highlight of a day may be somebody walks in at two o'clock and says, hey, let's go down and smoke a cigar. Mm -hmm. I just want to catch up. Or um, do you have time to go to lunch today? And normally I would have, you know, my answer would have been, no, I don't have time to go to lunch. I've got to get stuff done. <laughs> yes. And just the impromptu relational freedom to pour into other people, to care about their heart, to know they care about your heart. Like that's been a new world for me mm -hmm. in my 40s, mm -hmm. you know, that I had never tasted before. Mm. Alan, I, I remember when you first came, a number of those conversations of um, me affirming to you that uh, your presence was what we're looking for, what we hired you for, what we brought you to be a part of this team. And I can remember each time of those, maybe the first 20 of those conversations, <laughs> you 
just frozen, looking at me with your mouth open and kind of this thousand-mile glaze. And you could just see that those words were in an entirely different category. And you could just see your heart and head just processing. Really? Is that true? And maybe even some skepticism that that is the case. But it was a radical, radical change. And and I just want to affirm that you're not that guy anymore. I mean, it's only been a few years. Right. And one of the things I love is you do go downstairs and have the cigar. Your office door is open. You almost seem like you're baiting people to come in and have a little chat with you. <laughs> and um, there's just a remarkable, a remarkable change in you from that driven, productive performance guy, and you are all of that in terms of productive, to a guy that you do want to go in and talk to, get your wisdom, your thoughts, your reaction. I I come to you with stuff and say, hey, can I bounce this off of you? In just a couple short years, there's been a core change with you here. It's been a detox from productivity, and that doesn't mean, as Morgan said earlier, we still get stuff done. Yeah. But, um, you know, the deepest laughter and the deepest joy seems to come from people who know the deeper parts of you, your Mm -hmm. story, your life. And I didn't have much of that deeper joy earlier because I didn't let people know me. Yes. There was one day this past summer. It was so cool. It was another busy day where we have lots going on. And I looked outside. And there's a full-on car wash happening with all these kids. And I see you running around, and I could tell it's like herding cats with your kids and relatives' kids. And the idea of a summer car wash with your children is a no-brainer. It's a great idea. But as a reality on any given Wednesday of the week is a really difficult – I mean, it's literally an impossible stretch for a man whose greatest value is productivity – And I just had this grin on my face of, that's it. That's the magic. And I raced out. I got my car. I drove around. And I'm like, oh, wash this thing. And and, But it was such a beautiful moment to see that you have really responded to the invitation. And I think that's the highlight of your story that moves me the most. It's not circumstances that allowed you to become a different man. It's you – choosing to respond to God through the circumstances that he provided. Oh, man. Thank you for bringing that memory back. I had forgotten about that. But so much of it is that concept of presence. And how do I be present for my children? How do I be present for you guys? And productivity, while it's not bad or good, it rarely is the foundation Mm -hmm. for intimacy with anybody. And the journey of me becoming a son has been a new one. And so the whole sonship journey and Morgan, from your talks at boot camp and in our conversations, that was a new category for me mm. a few years ago was how do I be a son of God, not just a follower of God. And my initial um, journey into that was, well, yeah, let me be a son for a few months and then I'll be a king and a yes. sage. And to realize actually being a son is a lifelong process. Like Mm. no matter what other stage you're in, you're always a son of God. That's a lifelong journey as his son. And you can't be a son very well if you don't 
sit in the presence of the father. Mm-hmm. Like you can't really be a son if you're not with the father. Mm-hmm. And so that has really changed my relationship with God, with you guys, with my family, my wife, kids. It's been huge. And it takes the pressure off of what you've gotten done or your performance or their performance into what really matters. And uh, my son last night had a championship basketball game. He's 14. And this is new terrain for me, but used to, if I wasn't coaching, even in the audience, in the bleachers, I would be very vocal, (laughs) very vocal um, in terms of what was happening. We know that, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm on the drive to this game, and I knew it was a rowdy event that would be at the uh, opposing team's gym, a lot of noise, energy, and pressure to win. And so as a dad, I went there, and on my drive in, I'm praying to God, more than anything, God, I want your presence with Mm. me in this game. I want to be above the agitation of what happens in a competitive game. I want to be able to sit there, and I want to pray for joy for our players and their players. And more than that, I pray the kingdom over that entire facility because it's your land before it's the school's land. And so your kingdom rule, not the refs, not the parents, not the players, but your kingdom rule over this event and let me walk into it as a son. Mm. And I got to tell you, it really changed everything. And that's not even a category I would have had before. It would have been... I'm going to a game. The objective is to win, and it's successful if we win. And to sit there and think, yeah, it'd be great if we win. They did win, by the way. Mm. It was it Yay. was a team that was undefeated all season, wow. and they, against all odds, won. But I hope I would have been just as true yes. and just as content, even if they had had a game where they just enjoyed the chance to play. And as a dad, I could cheer my son on in that. Mm. So, Alan, this last year, I recall it uh, a year or so ago, at our Christmas party, we had a talent show. And uh, I mean, people were showing off their dance moves. And I'll never forget Morgan showing off how many pull-ups he could do. <laughs> I just need to be a productive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Alan's talent, your talent, Alan, was bringing a couple of quart-sized jars of uh, hot salsa and just drinking them in front of... Chugging them. Chugging them in front of... uh, Yeah, that's a new word, chugging. Yeah, it's an old word. Yeah. So Alan's chugging a couple quarts of hot sauce in his suit, which he just put the fire of the tail of his sport coat out... Literally, with a candle. You, Alan, you were on fire that night. You were on fire. Fire guy. His first Christmas, this was his first Christmas party, wasn't it? Yeah. When he's on fire, he's like chugging salsa. Yes. Yeah, just chugging salsa. That was the talent. And that was before I got up and sang Ave Maria. And, uh, <laughs> but oh So goodness. the old Alan chugged two quarts. The new Alan would what? Do less or more? You know what? The old Alan would have had so much pressure to do something that was a true talent. That, that would have been, there would have been something noteworthy or productive. It was a talent. No, we no. walked away. You mistook oh. our reaction. Yeah. That is no. a talent. I mean, yeah. But I'm saying just to be comfortable and to have the joy of 
yeah, everybody else may be – it may be like a piano recital here and it, <laughs> there may be dance moves here and there may be quoting from the Christmas Carol you know, novel here. But just to bring joy and fun, that's a new phase for me. Yes. It really – every year one of the things that I initiated a few years ago was a white elephant Christmas party. And there's there's not a whole lot of – spiritual overlay to that. It's it's I'd say none. None. Okay, none. <laughs> but it is a blast. It's more laughter than we have in a normal week, you know, because everybody's trading gifts and it's fun and competitive in a way of I want that present. No, that's mine. No that and so a lot of laughter and joy. Well, years ago I would have been the guy going, I don't have time to go to this. You guys do it. I'm gonna stay in my office and get ten more emails done. <laughs> and to be able now to say I want to organize part of that joy. I want to initiate that and invite others into it. Again, it's just um, I love this season of life, and it's it's not easy. It's hard one because you have to go into it with a decision of more than anything else, I want to be a son. I want to be present, and I want to do this with God and with mm-hmm. you guys. And so – Many days the old man tries to come back and you just have to say, no, I'm not that man anymore. I am not going to lose to productivity what I've lost so many years and decades to. Now I'm going to be the one who actually enjoys the moment, lives in that moment with you guys. Mm. So that's that's the journey I'm on and that's um, that's what makes me most come alive now. Alan, I want to add a footnote to this because – it's e- it could be easy for someone listening to say, wait a second, so now you just do car washes, smoke cigars, chug salsa, and you're a son. And all those things are true. <laughs> it would be very right? easy. <laughs> it would be very easy. But here's the deal. I'm just – this. I'm observing this in this conversation of how the kingdom of God operates. The reality is the last couple years under your leadership with our Ransom Heart content have been the most productive of our history. Hmm. We've produced more. We've reached more people. We've had a larger scope and a larger impact than ever before. And I just want to name that because it's the wild paradox of the kingdom of God. It's the parable of becoming good soil where God says there's only one shortcut. There's only one kingdom shortcut, and that is to become good soil because then we have a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. So the beauty of it is it hasn't been at the expense of actually stewarding your role. It's actually allowed you to flourish in your role because you're bringing a strength that's infused by God and his kingdom instead of bringing a broken man that's needing to answer his question through it. And so I really think it's just important to name that Mm -hmm. reality. Mm -hmm. That's really good. The work of God internally, slowing us down and shifting us to a kingdom-oriented, focused heart to being a son versus an orphan, it has an impact. It sounds kind of internal and maybe isolated from all the other categories in life, but you're a better husband. You're a better colleague. I mean, the fruit of that is enormous. It's not just an internal work, though it is that. It bears fruit that people see and that we're benefiting from, Alan. Well, thank you, guys. Alan, it's so good to talk through all the changes on all of these different fronts. And 
particularly in this work arena, but I'm also aware of how much has been going on in observing your life with Kelly and the kids. Go there for a bit. Tell us more about that. Yeah, over the last 10 years, it's been huge growth, maybe more growth at home than professionally in that the man that I used to be um, in terms of work, which was high focus on productivity, that was the man at home too. That's what I valued. So it was what got done. It was um, more control, I think, around the house. And it was less just joy and it was less spontaneity and it was less just ability to to have fun and breathe and play. And 10 years ago, we had two of our three kids, but they were still really young. And Kelly and I both during that time, I think we have gone through so much change together in our individual walks with God, but that it's brought a unique joy into our home life. And really, Kelly has been, she is the one who's kind of taught me quite a bit about grace and about mercy and about living in the moment uh, in a big way. And so part of the man that I'm becoming is um, just a man who hungers more for grace and mercy and joy in relationships. And the cool thing is to see that spill out into our kids. Can I add another category? I've got two more, actually. Okay. Alan, a few years ago, you worked with messengers in helping them get their message out. And you still do that. But one of the changes I see is you're now a man who has a message, a message of your own that is Alan Arnold's message, working with creative people and just helping them find that sweet spot of stepping into their call, their giftedness, and and all that God has for them and may want to offer to others through them. And and that's amazing. That's an amazing transformation. You now are a man that has a message, insight, words for others that just brings life and freedom and hope and joy and direction to a lot of people. Well, it is new because I had worked with writers, storytellers, Mm -hmm. novelists for probably 20 years, and I thought the most I could offer them was how to successfully be published and how to hopefully make that become a bestseller. And so that was my offering, which is all external. And I was living in a mostly external world then. And when I was leaving to come to Ransomed Heart, God blew me away. He just spoke into my heart and said, your new ministry, your personal ministry, in addition to Ransomed Heart, is going after the hearts of creatives. And... I just thought that's impossible because Mm. I'm leaving any platform that would have me in front of those people. So, man, it sounds good, but I don't think it's going to happen. And in spite of my disbelief or questioning, God immediately began to open doors. People were inviting me to speak on the very topic of how to create with God, how to walk with him in the world of the imagination and in story. And uh, the really cool thing, Craig and Morgan, is I have purposely said, God, I'm all in, but I'm no longer going to be the guy pushing the 10, you know, the 100-pound boulder up the hill. Mm -hmm. So if this is a view, and I know it is, then you open those doors, and I'll run through, but I'm not going to make it happen. And what's been really cool is over the last three years, 
the ministry has expanded, but it's all him. I'm no longer living in that striving or stress of productivity or, wow, I've got to do something now to keep the momentum going. It's really resting in God and going, just like a son Mm -hmm. who goes on a road trip with the father. And the father's in control. The father's got the car. He has the money. He knows where they're going. If it's a son with him, the son gets to enjoy the lavishness of the trip and the surprises along the way. It's not up to the son to direct the car or to make sure there's enough gas in the car. And so I've really taken that posture with God of, I'm all in, mm-hmm. but only if you're the one leading, yes. and only if this is your trip. And if it is, then let's go wherever you want to go. So yeah, Craig, thank you. That's It's brought me a lot of life, but it's the first time in my life I feel like that instead of trying to grow it through my own strength, I'm really trying to just rest in him mm. and walk well with him in this really cool journey. Mm. Can I throw out another one? Yeah. I'm on a roll here, buddy. Go. Sure are. Still uh, on A-game. Hey, hey, get me while you can. Wow. <laughs> Alan, one of my um, – I'm sure it wasn't my first encounter with you, but it was one of the early encounters, and it was certainly one that I remember – vividly. We were doing um, a boot camp, and I think you were an intercessor. And uh, right. we were sitting down at a lunch table together, and um, I just grabbed an open seat, and it happened to be across from you, and and we were just chatting kind of lightly. In fact, I, I think I was talking to two or three guys. You were one right. of those two That's or right. three. And you dialed down on something I had to say, and it would have been so easy just to let it go. It's light, general conversation. And uh, you dialed down on something I said, and you really went after my heart in a powerful way. And you took me to God, God the Father. And in the process of you spending, I, I forget how much time it was. I don't think it was a lot, but it was significant. You brought some profoundly deep healing to me in my woundedness and in my uh, missed relationship with my father and brought me to the father in a rich way. And I just remember walking away from that, one, being drawn to God, God working in my heart and life, and just really impressed with your ability to do four streams with people. And I think you, I think you have a phenomenal ability to do that, and I think you have done that since you've been there. I think you're really good at it, and so I want to compliment that because of the power and impact it's had on my life. And I also want to say, go for it, man. There's more of that for you, you know, in the arena of of what can be viewed as kind of support staff, and then there's the platform guys. You, Alan, have an incredible ministry to those around you that goes deep and profound and brings God. And I've experienced it. I affirm it. I think you're growing in that. And there's this part of me that just wants to wave that and say, bring more of that, Alan. That's really good. That's really rich. And I know you do it in speaking and working with creative types. But around here, you do it as well. And stay with it, buddy. It's powerful. It's rich. It's welcomed. It's really good. Thanks, Greg.
Alan, it is a sort of strange activity to visit ourselves of nearly a decade ago, to go back to a, a moment that's time-stamped and, and know that there is fruit that we don't realize at the moment that's coming. It's a promise that when we consent to the path and process, like transformation is available. As you shared at the beginning, that productivity over presence, that is and has been a deep struggle in your story for decades. And yet here you are in increasing measure offering to our community more and more presence over productivity. That that transformation has been realized in you. And so friends, as we close this episode, my invitation to you is to slow down for a moment before other things rush in and just ask the question, Holy Spirit, what is it through Alan's story that you're whispering to my soul? What is the disruption? What is the invitation? What is the offer that God is making for you today? Where would he like to lead you? We invite you back for episode three next week where we'll be featuring the late, great Craig McConnell. We look forward to being back together with you soon.